One of the minor stresses in our modern age is trying to remember all the different passwords required to access information we need to just live our lives. There's the password to pay your electric bill, or to access social media, or a streaming service, or an app, and it goes on and on. Maybe you've got it all together, but from my experience, it's impossible to keep them all straight. One of my favorite recent jokes is an online interaction between a person and a computer hacker. And the hacker says, I have all your passwords. And the person replies, totally relieved, saying, oh my goodness, thank you, what are they? Especially now that the internet serves as an externalized memory bank. Memory has become that much more elusive of a faculty. It's hard for us to remember our own dreams the moment we wake up. It's hard to remember people's names the moment after they tell us. And these kinds of mental blunders are often embarrassing or at least frustrating because they remind us that we are not in control of ourselves. And there are countless tips to help maintain an active memory, get more sleep, make checklists, adopt a Mediterranean diet. But nothing's guaranteed to help. Studies have shown that even offering money to incentivize people to remember something doesn't make a difference. What we remember and what we forget seems to depend on a power beyond our grasp. This is what the Apostle Peter is addressing in his letter, which was sent out to churches in Asia Minor. Peter's likely writing from prison in Rome, um, awaiting execution. And as he nears his end, what's his dying wish? He says, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to refresh your memory. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. And what exactly does he want us to remember? Well, of all things, he wants us to remember the transfiguration, this strange event when Jesus took Peter and James and John up to a mountain for a dramatic summit conference with Moses and Elijah. And on the mountain, Jesus is revealed for who he really is. His clothes become dazzling white. Matthew's Gospel account says his face shone like the sun. Clearly, he is not simply a teacher or a prophet. He is the Son of God in all his glory. Peter says, we did not follow cleverly devised myths, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. In other words, I was there, people. Whether you believe it or not does not change the fact that this actually happened. Take it from me. Christianity is not just a nice idea or a story or an abstract philosophy or wishful thinking. It is the truth. And why would Peter insist on us remembering the transfiguration? Why is he afraid that we're going to forget about it? Well, when we remember that Jesus is Lord of all, when we remember who he really is, everything falls into place. When we remember that Jesus is Lord of all, we remember that we are not Lord of all, that we are not in control, that we need only to trust God who is. 
when Jesus' holiness is revealed in all its splendor, our sin and undeservedness is revealed in all its wretchedness. And we have simply no choice but to fall at his feet and receive his mercy. You see, everything else falls into place when we recognize that Jesus is Lord. In fact, Peter says that all human sin, all sin is rooted in forgetfulness. Right before this passage, he urges Christians to be faithful. He says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, self-control, perseverance, and love. Whoever does not have these things is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. All your fears, all your sin, everything that is wrong with you and with me comes from forgetting that we have been cleansed from our sins. We need to be reminded. Sometimes you might experience the gospel as forgotten news. One Sunday morning, or whenever, you hear that Jesus actually loves you, and that through Jesus you have been cleansed from your sins, that death has been defeated, that there's nothing to fear, and you've heard it before, but somehow the message gets through to your heart, it brings you peace for, let's say, four minutes, (laughs) which is pretty good these days, four minutes of peace. But later that day, you get in a fight with your spouse or your roommate or you do this thing that you said you weren't going to do again or depression sets in and it makes you wonder if you can really trust that feeling that you had just hours before. This happens all the time. Happens to me. We forget we have been cleansed of our sins. Do you ever care what people think about you and bend to their whims? God says in Isaiah, who do you think you are that you're afraid of mortal men who are but grass and you have forgotten the Lord, your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. We need to be reminded. There's a British songwriter and poet named Alabaster de Plume. What a name. He has a song called, Don't Forget You're Precious, in which he says, I remember my PIN number. I remember my ex's email address, but I forget that I'm precious. I remember to drink. I remember to check my Instagram, but I forget that I'm precious. I remember my shame. I remember the German word for calculator but I forget that I'm precious. In case you didn't know, the German word for calculator is Taschenrechner. (laughs) Don't forget. (laughs) We forget that we're precious, which is why the structure of our church service is built upon the act of remembrance. Every week, We take the body and the blood of Jesus as the memorial of our redemption, the liturgy says. We receive the gifts of God in remembrance of Jesus and his love for us. We do not consume them as a one-time cure-all, but as routine nourishment, a weekly reminder. 
As we receive them, Jesus charges us to remember, don't forget you're precious. Don't forget I love you. And of course, we will forget. We'll forget by lunchtime. But rest assured, we will be reminded again and again and again and again and again until we need not be reminded anymore when we, like Peter on the mountain, will be eyewitnesses to his majesty forever. In the meantime, Peter wanted to make sure this was written down. You see, when you write something down, it's there to stay. If you want to make sure something is a done deal, you put it in writing. If it's just talk, it's subject to change and to forgetfulness. But if it's in writing, it may as well be set in stone. That's what the Bible is. God's promise put in writing. A promise that we can come back to whenever we forget. There's a book called Ministry with the Forgotten. It's written by a Methodist bishop named Kenneth Carter, who details his experience caring for his wife for 10 years after she was diagnosed with dementia. And he notes that in our society, to lose one's memory, it threatens the total loss of one's entire identity. I think, therefore I am, is still our modern maxim but it, at least on some level, excludes the over six million Americans living with Alzheimer's today. This is what Kenneth Carter says. He says, modern culture and much of modern Christianity lead us to think that our personhood, who we are, is constituted by our ability to reason, to act, and to produce. But from the wilderness, we learn that beyond anything we can think, do, or produce, we are known and loved by God. We are held in God's memory, even when our own fails us. What does this mean for you right now? Well, if you happen to have a terrible memory, if you're constantly saying to people, I'm sorry, what is your name again? If you don't learn from your mistakes and your own personal history, keeps repeating itself again and again because you forget, then this will come as relief. When memory fails us, God does not. In the words of the theologian Karl Barth, our identity is not, I think, therefore I am, but I am thought of, therefore I am. While we are forgetful, God remembers he says in Isaiah, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. What God has written on his palms, your name, you see, cannot be erased. It's not written in magic marker. It's written in blood. It's there to stay. You see, we, the forgetful, deserved to be forgotten. But on the cross, Jesus was forgotten on our behalf. The very words he cried out on the cross, Father, why have you forsaken me, can be translated, Father, why have you forgotten me? 
And you see, because Jesus was forgotten, we will always be remembered. And so the cross is our souvenir. That word itself derived from the French verb souvenir, to remember. Whenever you look at the cross, you can hear God saying to you, don't forget your precious. As we're seated, let us pray. Heavenly Father, in you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you, so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all the cares and occupations of our life, we may not forget you, but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.